We got this, man. We got this by the ass. Welcome everybody to this thing. Sure. All right. <clears throat> Let's do it. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery. Let's say that again. Chewing the scenery. Just chewing. Chewing the scenery. Chewing the scenery horror movie podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about horror movies of the past and present. We've got. Um, one from the past and one from further back in the past. We're going to be talking about this is episode twenty-three. Can you believe that? Yep. We're almost to the <laughs> we're almost to the halfway mark on a year. Three more episodes. Three more episodes. Yeah. Really? We could just divide this one into three and just get there like now. A year? I thought we started... no half a year. Oh, half a year. Okay. I, mum- I mumbled or said it quickly. I'm I was sure. going to say a year. No, it's not been that long. Yeah. It only feels <laughs> like a year. We are not a bunch of film critics. We're actually illustrators and artists. Um, we're going to spoil the stuff we talk about. So if you came here to listen to this thing and not get the movie spoiled, well, too bad. It's going to happen. So you can turn back now. Um, what have you been up to since last time, Will? Um, just drawing. Good. How's that coming along? Oh, God, it's so slow. <laughs> It is so slow. I have to be the slowest artist ever. <laughs> Not believe how slowly you're gonna have I a, draw. You're going to have a long Rip Van Winkle beard by the time your graphic novel is on. Yeah. The newsstands will be hover newsstands by the time this thing More comes More likely out. the first, you know, half a dozen pages will look great. And then <laughs> the rest will be stick figures. On my way over here, I stopped by some like secondhand places and I saw like the Black Dahlia book yeah and then i went to a video place and they had the uh, the black dahlia curse or curse oh, of the black dahlia or one. something like that it, it's it, something about some uh, uh film studios built on the site of the yeah lot where the body was found actually that's a house <laughs> i'm sure the people who live there love having people oh, yes. stop by <laughs> and lay down on their lawn <laughs> <laughs> Just like people throwing pizzas on the roof of uh, Walter White's house in Albuquerque. Yes. It's not Walter White's house. It's some nice lady's house. <laughs> She's getting tired of taking pizza off her roof. I, I know someone who's in London right now, and uh, so I was sending him recommendations of place to go. And he said he'd just been on the Jack Ripper tour. And uh, he said all it was was a guy in a pub standing there letting you buy him beers and, and telling you <laughs> stories. <laughs> oh, please let me buy you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's your fault for going on a jack ripper tour you know, really. yeah yeah you know, what you're gonna do like examine photos of the corpses and it's just dumb why do it so um have you watched anything interesting will uh well i i watched the deadly mantis oh yeah 
How was um, it? Deadly. <laughs> Did you uh, like it? Yeah, I like the Deadly yeah. Mantis. It's a little slow at the mm-hmm. beginning, but the bug looks fantastic. Yes. And it picks up. Uh, it's yeah, it's just a little slow getting started. You know, it's got a great scene in it where um, this woman's in the desert. She gets off a bus, and it's all misty. And yes. it's like Stephen King's The Mist, but better. And, uh, like she, she starts walking away, and the, the bus goes driving off into the mist. Mm-hmm. And then there's this like horrible crash. crash. Yeah. Because <laughs> you is, think the, the lady's going to get yeah, yeah. gotten by the bug. What else did I watch? Um couple Dawn of the Dead movies, but couple that's of Dawn ob- of the Dead, that's Better obvious. Call Saul. Um, and you're watching the first season of Better Call Saul. Are you? No, are you I'm watching current? Up. I'm watching current season. That's good, wasn't it? Yeah. I like Speaking that of uh, Walter White's house, I was wondering if Ermin uh, Trout's Mike's house, if that's his real house, since he bought a house there in Albuquerque. I understand. <laughs> I think a lot of the people working on the show did because they it wasn't like they just shot some exteriors and did everything else on a soundstage in L.A. This is like all filmed on locations. All blue screen. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even want green screen. They went straight. There were in. not even the actors in this. <laughs> it's all motion capture. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of places to visit there. I got to visit all of them when I, I went down there for a Breaking Bad con and uh, sold artwork to people. And I got to meet Crazy 8. And Skinny Pete. Domingo? Uh, Crazy 8 was the... Yeah, Domingo. Is it, oh, his name, yeah, that's right. They, they yeah. said they said his actual name. Yeah, because we were like, who the hell? Domingo. I know who that is. Or right. I know, I should know who that is. But anyway, Jolien's left out of this yeah. conversation. So. <laughs> well, just suffice to say, what have you it's been watching? awesome. <laughs> yeah, Jolien, tell us what you've been watching. <laughs> um, I don't mind you talking about stuff I don't know about. That's all right. That's, that's how you learn. Yeah. yeah. You learn by keeping your mouth shut. <laughs> I'm not going to learn anything. <laughs> all right. So uh, uh, having finished up the uh, Turtle Marathon, um, I had some time to watch some stuff. So <laughs> I've been binging. I watched Dawn of the Dead five times. Wow. The original five so, times. Uh, well, I watched the remake once. And then I watched uh, three versions of Dawn of the Dead and I watched the theatrical cut twice. Oh, wow. Fascinating. And it was good every time. Yeah. (laughs) That's what happens when you watch things that are good. Um, And I watched uh, uh, a movie called Frankenstein's Army. Yep. In 2013. You've seen that one? I started it, didn't didn't finish yet. Yeah, it's a European. It's like several countries involved, like the Netherlands and stuff. Um, the, the fellow who um, he made a couple of trailers for this film called Worst Case Scenario okay and it's like Nazi zombies invading the Netherlands and the first trailer is really good where it's again it's all misty and uh, uh, these uh, people are just walking around and and, the, and uh, then these shapes start parachuting out of the sky and the, the Nazi zombies it's really cool all right, uh, but Frankenstein's army's got its moments. It's, it's a bit video gamey sometimes, but basically it's a bunch of uh, uh, GIs who, um, no, no, they're not GIs. They're they're a Russian unit, and they're deep into Germany, and they've been sent to. Well, there's a few twists, so I won't I won't give it away. But they basically there's this uh, descendant of Frankenstein up to nasty business, making these bizarre things. All right. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it's quite got some quite fun bits. Now I want to go back and just start from the beginning and watch it, watch it through. I can watch this stuff on my I, phone. I, have you not seen that? No, you, I, I you started, started it. it. I don't think mm-hmm. I got very far into it. Yeah, it, it starts off. You think it's just going to be like a like a sci-fi channel thing with just soldiers walking around, right? Calling names and shining torches in abandoned buildings, right? But uh, it it does pick up. Good. It's called the Roger Corman. <laughs> People walk around, talk, look at things. Just put some excitement in the beginning, the middle, uh-huh. and the end. Yeah, just... you leave the middle out. That's also or walking. That. Yes. Just, just <laughs> take a drink every time someone goes go go go. Mm. Uh, also, that's watched... like twenty percent of all dialogue in movies now. Yeah. Go go go! Move move yeah. move move! Just calling calling names and saying go go go. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's all you need. I uh, also watched Eight uh, Millimeter starring. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Yes. Have you seen that That's one? That's a snuff film. Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah, so he's he's sent to track what ha- has happened to this girl connected to this rich family. Uh, Nazi zombies. Yeah. In the end. <laughs> you wish. There's a guy who's into Danzig, but I won't give it away. Does he drive an evil car? <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Uh, Whitehead Witch, which which is the Whitehead Witch, Witch, which is the I think the eighth film based on uh, this Chinese novel. Uh, there's a really good film called The Bride with White Hair, came out in '93 hmm. with uh, Bridget Lin. That's really good. I recommend that, that one. That one sounds familiar. Whitehead Witch has got uh, Fang Bingbing in it. Uh, who's, we who's all know extremely him. pretty. She was, a, you might have seen it if you saw X-Men uh, Days of Future Past. No, I've not seen she it. She plays Blink in mm. that. Um, yeah, it's okay. Uh, I also watched uh, Inherent Vice, which I'd been putting off because... Oh, the... Uh, yeah, Thomas Pynchon, yeah. Uh, he, he's just my favourite author, and I've been putting it off because like, this is the first... Film, yeah. Like theatrical film that's ever been made of one of his novels and it was really good it was oh good a close adaptation you know i have to check had it to, out they had to leave out a lot because you know, oh god he throws so much in happens. everything in yeah. the kitchen sink yeah you really need to watch the, uh, re- read the novel it's got so much fun stuff in it and um uh and there's a, there's also a good uh, like um audio book of it it's really, oh, that really would fun be good. it's really well done um, uh, Someone's Watching Me, which is like a John Carpenter's TV movie from 78, just before he did Halloween. Mm. Nice. Seen that one? That'd be interesting. I know. I didn't. I... It's good. It, he's really Hitchcock in it. Nice. Yeah. You, you don't. He doesn't. He's not got like the Dean Candy camera, you know, the photography set up yet. But Makes all the difference, doesn't it? Adrian Barbeau's in it. Um, I think it's where he met her. Oh. Uh, Lauren Hutton stars in it. And uh, this being the 70s, there's an Evil Knievel connection. Oh, nice. Fantastic. What is it? <laughs> she was in this uh, movie called Viva Knievel. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Yep. Right. I've seen that. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> it's horrifying. <laughs> if we were doing a horrible movie podcast, we could talk about that one. I think Gene Kelly's in that. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. the last, I don't know if it's his last movie, but it should have been. <laughs> no, he did uh, Xanadu after that. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it should have been the end right there. <laughs> Xanadu. Xanadon't. Xanadon't. 
So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, apart from that. Oh, I watched, because um, I was I was wanting to see every Romero movie. Uh, I've not seen Bruiser yet. Have you seen that one? No. no. Uh, not on my radar, honestly. But I saw uh, There's Always Vanilla, which is the movie he made after Night of the Living Dead. Now, I um, Russ Strainer was involved with that one. Yep. Yeah, he's yeah. in it as well. Okay. Uh, he's going to be at the that that uh, Walker Stalker Con here in Denver in just a few weeks. We're going to try and get an interview with him. Excellent. Uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know who Russ Striner is, Johnny from Night of the Living Dead, the one who says, they're coming to get you, Barbara, yes. in sort of a pseudo Karloff voice. Yeah. Uh, you owe him a quarter every time you say that or think that, by the way. That's his, that's his thing. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to bring him a quarter for that. And, uh, you know, make sure that he knows that I said it and uh, I paid for it. All right. That's his royalty. <laughs> it's, you know, he, he self- I'm sure you all noticed the gloves were in <laughs> Dawn of the Dead. The, the 78. The driving gloves? Yes. Where were they in, in the movie? I don't the remember. The helicopter pilot was wearing them at oh, some point. When they stopped at the airfield, he had them on. I, I have to and go back I and watch if it. And if they were the exact same gloves. If not, they were really similar. Um, they were, yeah, they were close enough that it, I'm pretty sure it was a nod to yeah, it had to those be a nod. gloves. Anything else you watched, Julian? Uh, oh, I saw... You, well, first, before we go further, do you recommend There's Always Vanilla? Is it worth a look? No. It's it, not, <laughs> it's not uh, Romero doesn't like it. It, it was kind of... Um, well, they did. They, they made a half-hour kind of film to promote the lead actor. I forget his name, Ray something... But um, and then uh, people started like extending it into a, a film, and and there was it kept getting changed around and around, and he never got it into shape. So, oh, uh, it's fun to see some of the cast from Living Dead turn up in color. And right, there's like two, three of them in there. Who else? And and there's like a if you want a snapshot of what Pittsburgh looked like and color back in 1970. <laughs> Tuition. I was gonna just ask, is it in Pittsburgh? Yeah, of course. You you know it has to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Considering it's all those guys. You get to ride around in the public transport. Nice. So I'm sorry. What else then? Um. There was the third sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer. Uh, I mean, the second sequel. So there's three all together, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, second sequel. Yeah, and there's like the third one just went direct to video. Yeah. It's set in Colorado in. Broken Ridge, Colorado. Broken Ridge. Broken Ridge, right next door to us. It's actually filmed in Utah. Mm. But tax uh, credits. I yeah, imagine. I can't think of anything to recommend it really. Nope. No. So I watched something else. Instead of direct to video, it should have been direct to the trash can. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, skip I, the step. I was on a slasher kick, so I wanted to see see what that one was like. I just don't trust any of those. No. Anything that seemed like it was copying Scream. I just don't trust it. Well, it, it, the first one's the play kind of straight. Yeah. And Jennifer Love Hewitt's in it. Yeah, the first, yeah. first one two. wasn't terrible. Yeah, the first one's okay. Second it's kind one's, of lame, but. Yeah, it's kind of lame, but I second mean, it's one very was predictable. Awful. I can't remember much about yeah. it. Yeah. The third one's worse. I think I may have seen the second one in the theater. It was terrible. <laughs> but you know what was worse? Urban Legends. Oh, Ooh. God. Yeah. That was that was one of those that tried to ride the coattails of the whole scream thing. It's a waste like, of a good idea. That was yeah, that was a fun yeah, idea. Exactly what I thought about it was like you know this is something where there is something you can do with that concept, mm-hmm. that premise. No, let's just make something really stupid instead. Mm. Okay, 
Way to go. <sighs> oh, I can go then. Um, I saw a couple of documentaries that were actually all three of the things I'm about to name are available on Netflix. Um, Real Injun, spelled I-N-J-U-N, like the s- racial slur for Indian or Native American. Um, Real spelled R-E-E-L. So this is about the history of Native Americans or portrayals of Native Americans in film. And it was really, really interesting and a lot of fun to watch. Um, there were some very sad moments, of course, but uh, it was it was definitely worth a look. Hmm. And I think anyone who... Did they cover that Adam Sandler film that Netflix made? <laughs> Not, uh, no. <laughs> the Ridiculous Six, I think it was called. No. That He got a lot of heat for it. I guess Native American cast members walked off the set. Oh, well, just being in his presence. They, yeah. got, they got annoyed to death and left. Anyway, what else well, did you watch? Oh, I also watched um, The Wrecking Crew, which is about all of these session musicians, in mm. mostly in the 60s. I think it kind of covers like mid to late fifties when they were all starting to sort of uh, get noticed and, and get booked for a lot of these gigs where you'd look at an album and you'd think, Oh yeah, these four guys played on this album, you know, beach boys or whomever. And it would turn out that, yeah, there was the vocalist and maybe one musician. And then Mm -hmm. like these, these guys were like the pros they would bring in for the sessions and they were amazing musicians. And they, Mm. they made all the sound for bands like the ventures and, everybody really at the time and uh it's fascinating and a lot of fun to watch and some great um archival footage uh so that's worth a look for sure the movie was more than 10 years in the making and uh because we were kind of still sort of sitting with that really great feeling that really weird vibe from the witch i wanted more of stuff like that so i went and watched the crucible oh which is way better. Um, but the crucible is, it's good to go back and see that, you know, being from what, more, almost 20 That's years ago. When I, when I yes. And, uh, they did a good job on it and everything. And it, it was good to see how that hysteria sort of would get some traction and then some interesting choices with how they filmed it. Like when the girls were all in a, you know, whipped into a fury and saying they're seeing things flying around, they were using a, sort of an aerial perspective, uh, with the camera mm-hmm. sort of swooping down toward them as if it were from the POV of a spirit, <laughs> which wasn't there. Uh, that stuff was really cool how they did that. It was interesting. I enjoyed it. So that's it's worth a rewatch. The and, Scarlet Letter. You know, that's kind of got that same feel to it. Yeah. You could actually probably cut those two movies together and not know that they were <laughs> from two different sources. Probably. And throw in some Sleepy Hollow there for the oh, man. Tim Burton one. I like the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow. I rewatched it about a year ago. Yeah. And really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought I was going to be rolling my eyes at it. No, it was it was fun. It was just, more than anything, it was just fun. Yeah. Oh, and that movie, um, The Death of Superman Lives. Or, Did you watch that? Yeah. I think, was that the name of it? Yeah. Did have the title right on that? Uh, when they were making the Nicolas Cage Superman, Superman movie and I laugh I don't know why I chuckle because it sounds funny to say it but he was committed to it oh yeah and, and he looked great very into it he's a huge comics fan yeah but he's named after a comic yeah. character is he yes yeah from Luke Cage oh yeah his last name's Coppola oh 
Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. I, th- I thought Nicholas came from something. No, no, on his, his son is called Kalel, isn't he? I believe so. He yeah. had a copy of Action Number One, and then somebody stole it. Something oh, happened man. with it. I don't remember the whole sordid history, but it was kind of sad. Like they stole it from his uh, storage unit or something, and then somebody else stole it. And by that time, they decided that you can't give it back to him because. It was a finder's thing. I don't know. It was crazy. You should look it up. Somebody look it up and tell us what I'm talking about. I, I wrote down our email address, which I haven't checked in about two months. Um, Chewing-scenery at hotmail.com. Uh, I'm going to find out what my password is or reset it. And, and we'll uh, and we'll see if we could um, yeah, get some, some listener reactions to stuff like that. Yeah, but, but I, that that death of Superman lives is uh, is definitely worth a look. I'm gonna watch mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah it's really good. That. So that's pretty much everything I watch. Should we? Um, let's say thank you to the Moonrays yes. for giving us the intro creature features uh, song at the top of the show. Very cool. They're a great band. A lot of fun. And um, let's start talking about original versus remake. Dawn of the Dead from 1978 versus Dawn of the Dead from 2003. Do I have those years right? Is it 2003 or 2004? Uh, oh, shit, man. It says four on the back, I thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2004. Okay. So yeah, March 19th, 2004. 2004. I don't know why I was remembering that wrong. I think I thought the same thing yeah. when I was loading that in the computer. I had wanted to watch them at the same time uh, so your split screen experience didn't happen it didn't work <laughs> damn it so i wanted um, to hear about this tell I, us what you were gonna do well uh i was hoping there was a uh button to check on a video player i have uh that said play you know simultaneous films or something and i couldn't get it to work but i wasted enough time on it that i watched dawn of the dead 2004 uh at twice the speed oh okay so uh so the fast zombies were super fast (laughs) they were super fast yeah it was like watching the flash but with zombies yeah uh the uh the song uh the richard cheese cover of down with the sickness oh yeah is fantastic at twice the speed (laughs) i bet it is the original by whoever disturbed Really? I thought it was the Beach Boys, but... Uh, <laughs> well, the Wrecking Crew actually recorded it. I think it was originally a Simon and Garfunkel team. Uh, <laughs> sounds like them. Anyway, uh, the original sounds fantastic at twice the speed, too. It sounds like a, uh, a grungy punk song. Oh, nice. Not new metal anymore. New, spelled N-U with mm-hmm. umlauts over the U. N-U, umlaut. <laughs> N-U with the umlaut. <laughs> so, um, you, you watched the original at normal speed, though. I'm guessing. I mean, I had not watched the original. I should have watched one last night, but I didn't. So I thought I'd have today to watch them both at the same time. So hmm. I watched the original at slow speed because I hadn't seen it in quite a while, and I didn't remember a piece of it. And uh, and the piece you mentioned just before we started recording was the same one I didn't remember either. Yeah. Which was the SWAT team going through the tenement? Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. No. No. Is there a version where that's missing? No. Oh. I knew it was a little cut for the UK, but... 
Wow. That's yeah, I don't remember any of that. I guess it's kind of the most forgettable part of the first act of this really? thing. Really? Well, um, compare, well, compared to, okay, the, t- the television station is where you're kind of getting the initial vibe that everything has gone off the rails, nothing's going to be good, mm-hmm. and communication is failing. Um, and they're, they're discovering that the rescue stations have been overrun by zombies. So but that's, they're still sending people there. Yeah, and people are still going basically to their doom. Uh, so that, I think, is something that really maybe grabbed my attention more than, you know, like this slow move of these guys going room to room and then having to do some shooting. Um, but granted, uh, I'm talking about something I forgot from the last watch, which was more than five years ago. Because I just bought the DVD about a month ago. Yeah, I haven't watched this in... More than five years? 15 years, probably. Okay. So, Julian, Maybe forgive us longer. for forgetting that. Huh. Yeah, scene. I do not remember seeing that part at all. That's but. such a weird coincidence that I forgot it, too. Um, but the SWAT guys have their shit together. They seem to be doing a pretty good but job. There's, there's that woolly who just goes nuts. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to have the loose cannon. It keeps the story interesting. Um, so, Jolien, when was the last time you watched this before your recent rewatch? Oh, uh, a couple of years ago, I suppose. Yeah? Yeah. How do we let a year or two go by without watching... This is arguably in your top five favorite horror movies? This is number one. Number one, okay. I didn't know if it was like number two, three, but... Number two would be The Haunting, and then after that I don't have a particular okay. order. Yeah, I think for me, I, I I can know my top five, but I don't know in what order I would put them necessarily. But this it's is number one for you. Definitely. And this is part of why we're doing this original versus remake, is that we want to go for the next couple episodes, cover each one of our uh, favorite or, you know, top three, top five, at least, yeah. if not number one. So uh, we'll we'll reveal later what some other ones are that we're going to talk about. So your recent rewatch, how did you feel about it? Were, were some things you'd forgotten? Uh, oh, you always notice little things every little, time yeah. you see it. Stuff yeah. in the background. Yeah, and it was nice to watch every version, you know, over the course of two days. And uh, Yeah, I was quite happy watching them back to back. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, do you feel the same way about the remake that I do, that, that they really kind of do a good job setting setting the tone with that Johnny Cash song with all the the bad news footage going on and all the he's good at doing that that opening credits montage with a the nice old song and yeah. various things going to hell yeah around the world i enjoy that a lot i mean that that this is one of my like, favorite like intros in, uh, it's the best thing in watchmen as well the uh, opening yeah. yeah i didn't mind watchmen i didn't mind this film but mm-hmm. 300 was terrible and I've not, not seen watched that the one. Superman one. Okay. I haven't <laughs> seen three. Oh, yeah, I saw Man of Steel and uh, Sucker Punch. Uh, he always has some something visually interesting going on. Yeah. They're, they're always colored time to hell. They just look like video games to me. That's 300 felt like a video game. Mm-hmm. Bored to tears. <laughs> yeah, I find the remake uh, is a bit dull. I don't connect with it. Really? I, yeah, I was thinking of that today. I don't connect with the remake, although there are bits that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I like the, um, uh, the when they drive away at the end. Yeah. And things are going crazy in the... Yeah. <laughs> they're trying to get the chainsaw set up. And... Oh, man, that went badly. <laughs> yeah, that, that was 
bad but news. there's so many characters in it. I forget about them. Like there's this blonde woman. Yeah, with the and curly like she, hair. Yeah, she she turns up with and the then gang. She, then she disappears, and you forget about her. And then yes. suddenly someone's having sex with her. Yes. And then she disappears, and then and then she gets killed. <laughs> well, didn't she show up with that guy, the guy who owned the yacht? Yeah, um, yeah. So so yeah, she was having sex with him probably before they. <laughs> ended up at the mall. I mean, I no, think... they were in the mall. But she's just one of those. But I mean, they knew each other before that. Oh yeah. Uh, Did they? I not... didn't get that impression. She just oh. kind of turns up with that group. Oh yeah, but... I didn't get the impression that any of them really knew one another. That they were just uh, in the neighborhood. Yeah, they're just picking up people. <laughs> just like a bus route. Yeah. So, so I find the yeah I don't connect with the characters like um, I find the most interesting one is that um who's the guy who he knows he's kind of he's been bitten and they're waiting for him to matt frewer yeah yeah yeah. he's max headroom headroom. he's quite affecting because he's a good he's good enough actor that he could sell it in i had wished they had had a little more of him Mm -hmm. because i think they would have sold that scene where he becomes a a zombie yeah, a lot better because he turns up and he's bitten <laughs> and then he changes right whereas if he had been from with them at the beginning yeah you know, so the man gets bit the mad Fruer character is named frank frank okay not that it matters because he's not in the movie very long <laughs> and and Ving, Ving rames is he's always entertaining and yeah. um there's that there's that guy he, he's the, he's kind of like sean from shaun of the dead but without the laughs <laughs> he's this guy he's done lots of little jobs yeah the guy who said he was a television repairman yeah yeah but then yeah. he i i keep you know i i've i'd forgotten him so i i kept expecting that him to be revealed as like some you know um special ops guy or something or towards least, the end because yeah. like you know as soon as he gets a gun in his hand he's ru- he's hitting zombies on the run through the head right uh <laughs> you know, punching out people and all sorts of stuff you know like yeah, that that guy. Okay, the character's name was Michael, and uh, they did sell him as just sort of this nobody. He he yeah. was just like that some kind Desmond. of <laughs> Desmond. Wasn't he Desmond and Lost? Was he? No, I don't know. He could have been. I suppose I, he looked very familiar. I couldn't place him. Yeah, the actor's name was Jake Weber. Yeah, I couldn't um, place him. But yeah, he you know his his personality came across kind of nice on on screen. He was. Believable is just like an average guy. Yeah, but then he he turns but, into this super yeah, fighter. I agree. You know, people shouldn't just be doing all kinds of acrobatics with their guns when they arguably haven't really shot one at yeah. all, or maybe not recently. <laughs> right, like prof- professional police won't go for a headshot because that's too difficult. And, yeah, and here he is popping off at running zombies. And that's the I don't remember his name, but the pilot in the original. Helicopter pilot was a terrible shot. Yeah, yeah, but he plays him as a as a. He wants to contrast with the the uh, professional soldiers. Uh huh. So he's always like being clumsy, like he you know he's, he's using a hammer or using a gun or whatever. He's, he's yeah. You know he's klutzy and he he puts other people in danger. Very so much that's, so. That's how he played it. So the pilot was the the pilot from the original was Stephen. Stephen, yeah, that's right. Played or, by David M. G. Yes. Stefan. Spelled Stefan, pronounced Stephen. <laughs> he was also in the, uh, before this, he was in the, the Booby Hatch. And after it, he was in Basket Case 2, where he plays the guy with the moon shaped head. Oh. Oh, not seen Basket Case 2. 
rebasketing. <laughs> it's and, more baskety than the first one. Um, so that's, that's basically all I have to say about the remake. Apart from, um, I really didn't like the bit where it confuses homosexuality with transvestism. That's just clumsy. Yeah, that's dumb. Um, oh, the guy who's trying on the shoes. Yeah. It, yeah, it, I know. Uh, and oh, and and. So much of it's done through dialogue instead of action. Yeah. Like the Romero film, you you know what these people are like from what they're what they've doing. Done. Yeah, they don't have to like stand there in a bathroom and give their backstory to each other. Right. Show us, don't tell us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, so. so the different versions you watched, can you tell us how they differ with the original? Oh, okay. Uh, so the uh, Romero's cut is the theatrical U.S. cut. Which Will and I each, we watched that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, there's the European cut because uh, uh, the it was co-produced with uh, some Italians. Um, I can I can give you a bit of the background for how it was produced if you wish. Sure. sure. Let's hear it. Okay. So Romero wrote 80 pages. And then uh, the producer, Richard Rubenstein, sent it to Arnold Shapiro, who's an agent, who passed it to Alfred Cuomo. Who passed it to Dario Argento? Yes, and uh, Cuomo and Argento became associate producers, and uh, they got all the uh, non-English speaking country sales outside of the Americas. Oh, um, Dario Argento invited Romero and Christine Forrest, who was his wife at the time. Uh, Romero's wife, uh, and you see them at the start of the movie. They're at the uh, they work in the desk in the studio, TV studio. Oh yeah, yeah. So, the, so that's George and Christine. I saw Romero, but I didn't. see Yeah, him. so the woman next to him is okay. You know, um, uh, anyway, uh, Argento brought him over to Rome and uh, let him write as he wished, but uh, Argento would have the final cut for Europe. Mm. Um, so what he did was um, he cut down a lot of the context and the comedy and the commentary um anything starting with c yes he cut out like the catholic bits (laughs) (laughs) yeah he cut out the nun that's missing he cut out the chop top the the guy walks into the helicopter blade literally everything starting with c he didn't think the special effect was good enough it did look a little frankenstein-y um his head was a little square yeah um let's see that that guy was uh, Jim Crutt. He was a college friend of Savini. And in the UK, uh, when I watched the, the first time, people laughed because he looked like um, Oddboy Jr. from Carry On Screaming. Huh. Okay. Which is like popular enough that people are going, oh, Oddboy. Oh, no. <laughs> but what happened was like Savini cast his head and then by the time they got to filming it, it, it kind of bulged out so it was squarer than it should have looked yeah, so he looks like the Frankenstein monster very square yeah so anyway um, cuts lots of dialogue especially the bits with Francine and um, uh, he added in uh, where well, he left in bits of the uh, bikers versus zombies mayhem yeah um, so it is more of like a, a straight ahead action horror movie and there's more goblin in the soundtrack mm. Uh, and then the third version uh, is the extended cut, so-called, uh, which is two hours, 19 minutes. Uh, and that's the version. It's not really an extended version. It was the version that they, they quickly put together so that they could have it on show at Cannes for the film 
sails. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a much longer boathouse scene, uh, which includes uh, there's a bunch of cops running around. Remember that? Yeah. And one of them is Joe Pilato, who is in Day of the Dead as the leader of the soldiers. Okay. Right. He's a guy who goes Joe got it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. So he, he's in it much more. Uh, you can just barely glimpse him in the theatrical cut. Okay. Uh, there's uh, more establishing shots of the moor when uh, Roger and Peter are f- first pick up the keys and they go running around and you, you get all these glimpses. So, yeah, when they see that that um, that sort of three-ring binder with all of the mm-hmm. stuff showing where everything in the mall is and those two giant rings of keys, yeah. it felt like there should have been more. You know, like, oh, where's the closed-circuit stuff and... Mm-hmm. Where do we shut this off and turn this on? Okay. Yeah, so that's great that there was more. And there's more odd shots of like uh, the zombies just wandering around. Uh, there's more of Fran listening to the TV while the guys check out the trucks, you know, when they go up right up on the roof. Yeah. And they're looking down. There's there's, there's a bit more of that. And she's watching like the interviews on TV. Um, there's, a, there's a bit where they close off the doors and one of the zombies gets his hand caught between the doors. And in the... Uh, the longer version, you see the hand being pulled off. I, th- I think mm. you see it in the Argento cut as well. Uh, there's more looting uh, scenes of them, you know, trying on clothes and admiring okay. themselves in the mirrors. Uh, there's more of the bikers arriving at the doors, especially their vans. They've got those, like, love wagons. <laughs> the stabbing the, cabins. The carpets. <laughs> we established that in our yeah, like, episode. In the theatrical cut, you barely notice that they've even got vans. And uh, there's a bit more of the chewing up at the end. You know, the reason they probably couldn't use all those shots of the vans is because they didn't want to pay royalties to Frank Frazetta for the murals on the side of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like 95% of vans in the 70s had a Frazetta mural on it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. That's a, that's a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, so Anchor Bay put out this ultimate edition where you get all three versions plus Documentary of the Dead. Nice. Which was uh, directed by Roy Frumkes, who was a film school guy at the time. And uh, he plays the first pie face zombie when they start throwing custard pies into, or cream pies into their faces. He's the first one. Oh, man. Now, <laughs> Am I going into too much nerdy no, detail? No, no, no. <laughs> this is good. Uh, I was just thinking about how there were, there were some times where the music seemed to be coming through the sound system Mm -hmm. and other times where it was the score of the movie to have this kind of silly music going on. It's almost like Benny Hill kind of sounding stuff. That's uh, the library music, which he he also used in Night of the Living Dead. He just likes the texture of it. Yeah. Most of it's from uh, the Music Dwarf library. The what? Um, So Music Dwarf was founded in 1909 by Maya Dwarf to cater to theatres and uh, silent films. Okay. So they'd have like a ready soundtrack. And uh, in the 60s and 70s, there was a whole bunch of British session musicians. I don't know if the Wrecking Crew did any. <laughs> uh, but they, they did a whole bunch of themes. Oh. And, uh, and they're, they're like, like with, with vinyl junkies these days, people are like buying up their stuff. They're going for quite oh, a yeah. bit of money. Oh, yeah. Um, and Argento also added in tracks from uh, the subsidiary labels of DeWolf, uh, which were Rouge and uh, Hudson. Um, and the, th- the theme that everyone remembers is uh, Herbert Chappell's The Gonk. That's that really daft tune that's playing over the end credits. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think of that tune every time I go in a shopping mall. Yeah. Like every, every fan of Dawn of the Dead will tell you they can't go in a shopping mall without hearing The Gonk. 
in their head and watching people going up and down the escalators. So, um, yeah, so those are the library tracks. I could probably insert the gonk music here. Yeah, because I got both the, the soundtracks, of course. There's the one that's it's all goblin. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's the uh, uh, then there's a soundtrack which um, uh, was put together by some guys in, in Britain. Um, uh, oh, I forget the names now. Uh, Trunk Johnny Trunk and his his his, his buddy like, tracked down all these the library tracks and put them onto one CD so you can get this compilation of all those. That's so cool. <laughs> Dove tunes. I think I lent it to you. I, yeah, any of those I have loaded into the computer, and I should be able to pop some of that music in here. Um, now, the stuff from Goblin, uh, I believe, is is what they used in Shaun. I recognize the stuff mm-hmm. from Shaun of the Dead, where they lifted just little atmospheric pieces of the Goblin yeah. music. Yeah. And uh, I guess I hadn't, at the time, again, when Shaun of the Dead came out, I hadn't seen the original Dawn of the Dead for a good handful of years at the time and didn't recognize the music. Mm. And then on this rewatch of Dawn of the Dead, I, I listened <laughs> uh, listened as I was watching and I went, oh, that's they lifted yeah. that for Shaun of the Dead, yeah. which is great. Um, but there's uh, yeah, there, there's some good atmosphere. Some of it does get a little wacky and, and I don't but, necessarily care for it. But yeah, Romero, he, he thinks of this as a comedy, really. He didn't right. think of it as a trying to frighten anyone. Right. It was oh, yeah. a lot of social commentary. Um, a little bit of trivia that you may both know about Quentin Tarantino and how he kind of uh, exploited this movie for his own gain early in his career. No. He, he wanted to be, he wanted to break into acting, which that's ill-advised for him if you've seen him act. But <laughs> he's got a style that's his own. It's fun. We'll say. I, I like watching him on screen. But, you know, he's not a great actor. And, uh when he wanted to break into it, he thought, well, if I just go in and say, I want to be in your movie, no one's going to say yes. But he said there was one of the bikers in Dawn of the Dead that looks enough like him and is moving quickly enough. He said, yeah, I'm that guy. It's uncredited, but you can see clearly on screen that's right. me. And uh, he got a couple of, I guess he got a couple of gigs, you know, just small parts or right. ex- extra work or whatever, uh, saying he was that guy. <laughs> all, all the... Uh, all, uh, Everyone involved in making this film plays bikers or zombies at some point. Right. Like uh, George Romero played a, a zombie, although he didn't leave himself in. He, he dressed in his like Santa uh, oh, outfit. Nice. But he didn't put it in. Of course, it wasn't set anywhere around Christmas time, so that... Well, it was filmed either side of Christmas. Was it? Yeah, 77, 78. Um, they wanted to avoid having to take down the decorations. Okay. In the mall every night when they were shooting because yeah. they, they could only shoot between like uh, like one and seven in the morning. That's a hell of a schedule. Sound. Yeah. So they, they filmed like a, a lot of the exterior stuff from the start was late 77 and then inside them all is just after Christmas. You, you can see like signs saying post-Christmas clearance. Yeah. Things like yeah. that in, in JC Penney's and things. I noticed somewhere in there one of those yeah yeah that was right about when they rebranded themselves as pennies well i i was watching it and uh and then lo and behold a jc penny catalog came through the door oh at the very time weird yeah yeah that's kind of like that coca-cola <laughs> truck rolling up my street when i was watching <laughs> serpent <in> the rainbow <laughs> so uh all in all this movie um 
What was her shooting schedule? It was about two, two months, six weeks. What was it? Yeah, a couple of months. Yeah. Well, it seemed like they used Most their time pretty night. well. Yeah. And they had uh, loads of people working for free, so you, it looks really epic and expansive. And right. Um, it's always helpful if you can get free work out of people. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, uh, he he hadn't wanted to make a sequel to Night. But uh, his he happened to know the people who owned the Monroeville Mall, and uh, they gave him and Christina tour around, and they're saying, "Oh, there's always places above, you know, there's always little rooms above, and and there's all this like uh, uh, survival uh, gear up there. Like you, you can see in the movie, there's like boxes, yeah, of yeah, survival yeah, food, it's and got cans this... and water and." And uh, he said, yeah, you could probably live out the apocalypse pretty well for a few weeks up there. And, and like, you know, <laughs> light bulbs started lighting up. and <laughs> Wheels started turning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I noticed that there was like the CD, the civil defense, uh, stenciling on the, on on the, the, boxes, on the boxes yeah. and cartons and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, so that was, that was based in reality. That's crazy. How cool. Why didn't they have that? Yeah, I mean, maybe it was a designated, uh, you know, meetup point for disaster relief or something. And there weren't that many malls at the time because, because, uh, like, uh, as they're flying in, Roger goes, what, "Where is this place?" And they have to explain that it's a mall. Yeah, it, it is one of the first. Yeah, people were unfamiliar, well, less familiar with the concept of mm -hmm. a mall at the time. An indoor mall, anyway. So it, it, apparently, it was, it was built in '69, but I don't know if it was the size it is in the movie at the time. Mm. But uh, apparently these days, Pennies is still there. And one of the other places is still there. Well, old guys have to have some place to buy their shirts. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was something really cool they did in this movie uh, where they, um, they, they created a false wall. It was mm. a real wall, but it was in a false location to um, sort of ward off the, or just divert the attention of possible looters or invaders and I thought that well, that's a great idea. I would totally do something like that. Mm -hmm. um, they just found some only, building materials, and only they looked like they used cardboard and balsa wood. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If they had done it correctly, I mean, you don't space your two by fours sixteen or eighteen inches on center if you're building a, a wall that you want to keep someone out. I mean, yeah. you, you just use every heavy duty thing and as close together as possible. So if someone tries to ram their shoulder through it, they break their I shoulder. Guess they also wanted to hide it, though. Eh, yeah. Know. It was so, a good idea. It was. I like that idea. If executed correctly, it would be pretty effective. You know, do a layer of plywood, then a layer of drywall, but and then still, paint it. What did Luke say? Just keep moving? Yep. Don't stop at the mall? Right. Well, they're, initially, they're just going to pick up stuff and, and food, then move yeah. on. Yeah, then they get the crazy notion to stick right. around. Yeah, then the, the, uh, the idea of having everything yeah. kicks in and you know, they stop. And that's that's the theme of uh, consumerism, where that comes in, isn't it? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah, we could just kind of get supplies and keep moving, or we could just sort of have the luxury and the indulgence mm -hmm. of being here where all this stuff is essentially free to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was... And, and, you know, one of the things that happened with Night of the Living Dead is that Romero was making some commentary about the Vietnam War and some other social unrest 
he wasn't really saying as much about race relations, but the fact that that Dwayne Jones was cast as Ben mm-hmm. made it seem as though he was. So I kind of wonder if this was Romero sort of retroactively saying, well, now I'm going to be thinking, you know, not retroactively, but kind of going forward thinking, well, I'm going to make my statements and know what they are this time. Yeah, I, th- I think he deliberately cast uh, black guys. Yeah. The, the lead soldier. Yeah, so that, that definitely, and there were some, pieces of dialogue that kind of made the statement that yeah that we, and he, he likes to have a mixed group so you know he's got the tall guy and the short guy <laughs> right yeah. too tall too slow and um yeah so and, and then the man and woman and the warriors and the the civilian it's like the village people <laughs> <laughs> you had an astronaut in there and <laughs> no it was cool though it was a good group um some bad decisions were made obviously but in any group at least half the people are going to make bad decisions, right? Oh yeah, like uh, I love the uh, Roger uh, Scott H. Reininger character. Uh, he 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 turns up like um, they they some of them turn up in the remake. Like uh, Scott Reininger plays the general. Right. Ken Forey plays like some kind of preacher. Well, let uh, me let me stop you there for a second. Ken Forey, by the way, was uh, where they chose the name for the electronics store in Shaun of the Dead. Yes. yes. It's called Forey Electric. And there's a store <laughs> named after Galen Ross, who plays uh, Francine oh, great. in uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Ken Forey. Yeah, he, he oh, does there re- really is a store called Ross. Oh, yeah, Ross Dress for Less. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they didn't. Is it? Is a store yeah, called it, it, Ross? Yeah, it's always when they first see the, they come up over the embankment, and then uh-huh. you see the mall for the first time. There's this big old sign in the exterior saying Galen Ross. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not Ross Dress for Less. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I love um, Scott. Um, no, the the Roger character. He has my favorite line, which is, uh, "We got this, man. We got this by the ass," because uh, like that. That's when they're getting the trucks together. Yeah, that's when they're putting the trucks together, and he's really losing it. And like a couple of minutes later. Uh, you know, it's terrible things happened to him. Yeah, his, his undoing is shortly after every, his declaration. Every time that something's going well, I that line comes into my head, and I think, oh, "Okay, watch out." <laughs> it is a great line. Yeah, I like yeah, I wanted to leave that guy when, at that point, like you're staying with the truck, you fucked up. <laughs> I'm leaving you. Yeah, it it was pretty bad what goes on with him. The truck idea was good. Hmm. You know, I think it would be pretty apparent to people outside of the mall that there's someone in there, however. Yes. But, you know, at this point, you've got weapons, you, you've yeah. got you've got a false wall hiding your location. Yeah. There are worse things. I mean, you got worst case scenario, you're out the hatch and onto the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Well, worst case scenario actually went worse than that. But <laughs> uh, ideally, the worst case scenario would be, OK, this is going badly. We We just fly away. But no. Not like that exactly. Um, do you feel like they were taking unnecessary risks um, with this whole deal with moving the trucks and everything? Or do you think that was just a solid idea? What if they're going to seal themselves in? That's a good idea. Yeah. Well, should have kept moving. <laughs> man, you you are you are the converted. Um, <laughs> Luke has, has just keep moving. I was thinking, you know, New Mexico would probably be a pretty good place. There aren't a lot of people, mm-hmm. and I imagine zombies would dry out very quickly. Yeah, yes. or, or Wyoming, they get such high winds and they yeah. just blow away. Yeah, I mean, optimally, they would keep moving, just 
pick up cans and yeah cans of peaches and just take off. But uh, yeah, they they get sucked into having stuff. stuff. In fact, they, they they become so identified that they, they they become living dead. It's it's pretty obviously spelled out. Like um, you know, you get all those scenes where um, like Francine's making herself up and it intercuts her with a mannequin head. Mm-hmm. And it kind of right. sets it up when they first get to the mall. They, they switch on everything, and the mannequins start moving, and it's just intercut with the zombies there. Yeah. And then there's later there's the screwdriver zombie, who who at first they think is a mannequin, and oh yeah, pops out of them. So yeah, there's, there's all, it conflates the mall and zombies and mannequins and and the and eventually the human characters. They're just mm-hmm. living dead. As much all as the drawn zombies. to the mall. Yes. So the the um, the character of Peter, um, let's see, he he's the one that makes the fake wall to disguise their whereabouts. Um, Roger makes Peter promise to kill him if he comes back as a zombie because mm-hmm. he's injured and he's dying. Uh, he says he's going to try not to come back. Try I found that really to, weird. Not, yeah, it's like yeah. we just gonna gonna go into the light, you know, and just. I'm gonna try not to. Yeah. Yes. But you know he's so. You know, his brain's going. Yeah. And he's going to keep fighting. He's, he's like this guy who just keeps going. He keeps fighting. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was pretty bad. Well, the first time I saw it, I found like the um, the bit that you don't remember when <laughs> they're piling into the the uh, projects. Right. Uh, that was so disconcerting because I'd never seen professional soldiers cracking up at that point. Um he get he he just uh, at one point there's so many horrible things going off all around him that he's just like spacing out he's, he's yeah. like up against the wall and like whichever way he turns his head there's something horrible yeah, there's going like a body off body laying there yeah and like one of his friends kills himself and yeah was that guy bitten or did he just decide he he's just so traumatized he's like yeah. this really young kid and he's and he, he just opted like, out yeah he thinks this I can't go on in this world and just blows his own head off. But the um, the handling when uh, when Roger does finally die and turn into a zombie, mm-hmm. <laughs> the handling of his dead body was interesting. They, they buried him in that big kind of mm-hmm. planter area. Yes, I thought that I, I was really kind of expecting on the rewatch. Was there something where they didn't quite kill him and maybe he pops out <laughs> of the dirt? I was kind of waiting for that. I don't, did you? Yeah, I was. Yeah, you were seeing that too. Yeah, mm, like a traditional zombie coming out of the grave, right? Sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I kind of thought, did they do something with that? And then they have to re-kill him, re-re-kill him. It seems like a missed opportunity. <laughs> Just know? like I think the uh, remake should have been in the Mall of America. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, they I mean, did, did, e- even if you couldn't get it actually filmed in the Mall of America, just imply. Yeah. That's, that's one thing. The cool things about the original that they just ran rampant in this actual mall. Yeah. Well, they're driving trucks into it and they're blowing things up and it's invaded by bikers and they're real bikers. Oh, yeah. It was this uh, chapter called The Pagans. Oh. That Tom yeah, most Savini of those guys are real. With. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tom Savini, he wasn't going to be in there, but he saw that like they needed some more characters in there. And so him and Tassos de Varakis went in there. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, um, uh, yeah, some of the uh, production assistants are in that biker gang. Yeah, I remember being traumatized by the guy who gets 
his guts ripped out. Oh god, yeah. Yeah, that that was one so of the extreme. few things in a movie that's bothered me. That was the that's the only time I've ever been in a theater and seen people throw up. Oh yeah. Wow. Uh, at a horror movie. Well, the first time was in uh, I went to see E.T. And there's a bit where the kid runs out of the garden shed and he steps in a pizza. Yeah. And there's something about the squelchy noise he made. This kid, a couple of rows in front of us, just lost it. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's horrible. Like having to go through life that squeamish. Oh, man. Like there are some people that can't handle the sound of like uh, styrofoam squeaking or mm-hmm. balloons squeaking. And mm-hmm. then there are people who have fetishes for balloons. So... No doubt. Takes all kinds. Yeah, so I went to see the, um, when the so-called director's cut came out in Japan, uh, of all places, you know, it's the most extreme horror stuff on the planet. And uh, uh, yeah, and there's there's people, it was uh, it was like that Monty Python movie. Oh, nice. When they got to that scene. The, uh, Mr. the Mr. Creosote Mr. Creosote, scene? yeah. <laughs> Get like, me a bucket. Like, and, then, and running out. And, oh, man. Yeah. I've never just, seen anyone throw up at a movie. Yeah. I only saw one movie vomit situation, and it was somebody who had been... It was a drunk teenager. I was a teenager also at the time. But I remember it was like... I think it was Fright Night, the first Fright Night. And... uh Man, one of the one of my classmates, like maybe a year younger than me or whatever, uh, just hurled. And mm. uh, you know what happened? They didn't. They stopped the movie for about ten minutes. They threw the pink sawdust on it, and ran some masking tape around a bunch of seats and just mm. let everyone sit back down and finish the movie. <laughs> there was a faint whiff of vomit mm. in the air. <laughs> yeah, but this guy was smashed, mm. so drunk. Um, popcorn vomit. Not pleasant. Mm. <laughs> so stepping into pizza, no problem. But having it, having it live in the theater with you, kind of gross. Yeah. yeah. And and the other thing I remember the first time seeing it because I was like fourteen or fifteen, and uh, it was just so assaultive. It's fast, and uh, cuts are fast, and angles are weird, and uh, it was just so violent. I'd never seen anything like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, like by the time you see the first zombie, I, I timed it in one of the repeat viewings. It's the first zombie turns up nine minutes, 27 seconds in, uh-huh. by which time we've seen seven people killed. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Because a lot of movies, there's just no way that they would have that kind of body count for living humans. I remember when I humans. first saw this. I was fairly young. I know I was. I in can't my go teens. by. I can't go. Oh, I was. I'm preteen. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, I may have been about twelve when I watched this. I can't wow. go by a, a blood pressure testing machine without <laughs> thinking they're going to tear your arm yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, I just remember I watched this at my friend's house with uh, he and his mom, and uh, yeah, the gut ripping scene was just. Mm. Probably the only time, I mean, we'd watched everything else, every Freddy Krueger there was, you know, <laughs> they weren't terribly scary. Predator was gory, but that was awesome, you know. Yeah. But this one, I would say it's it's because they're they're striving for realism with the look of it, rather than having it be like cartoonish and ridiculous. Really? I think it's well, Romero, fairly cartoonish. Romero thought of it as comic bookish. Did he? Yeah, yeah, I thought of it now. Uh, 
Yeah, it's more comic bookish. I remember the blood being very strange when, when I first watched it. Like, why is it so orange? And the the skin tone also, the color was a little off for. Um... Well, yeah, Savini. Uh, he just had this because he had to make up a hundred people every night, and uh, so he had he just did a gray, uh, yeah, body paint. And that just photographed different depending on what the ambient light was. So oh, okay. when they're outside, they look kind of bluish. And Inside, yeah. they look kind Under of greenish. Under sodium lights, they look like greenish. And yeah. yeah. It's all a matter of what part of the spectrum is being illuminated by what kind of light. That, that but I, I really like them because they look, they, they look human. They're not like really made up zombies like you get in the 40 movies, which look great. But, right. Uh, you know, if, if his point is that they are us... You can't have them looking like a different yeah. creature. It can't be that disconnected. You're right. Yeah. So there's only one that's like the, that airport zombie that comes in the doorway mm-hmm. and and Peter has to dive out the way. Uh, that's the, like, I think that's the most made up zombie. Yeah. He's like really caked in lots of makeup. Uh, did you get any, um, any clear read on why they did the, um, the marriage proposal over dinner with uh, mm. with uh, Stephen and uh, Fran. Why they did it? Yeah, like was was there was that symbolic of something? Was there? Could you pick up any reason why, it, why they? It, it just feels so uh, meaningless because everything they've got they've stolen. Right. And uh, and you know this relationship is not going well. Right. Uh, and he's he's you know he's been going off with the guys. He's kind of tired of her. She's a drag to him. And she's so tired of being treated that way and being left behind. And yeah, I'm so glad she made them teach her how to fly that mm-hmm. helicopter. Yeah, it was uh, that was a good move. Yeah. Well, she said the, the quote I have here is that she said it wouldn't be real when she refused his proposal. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't be real. And it's not. It's absurd. Well, yeah. Given yeah. the fact that there's an apocalypse going on all yeah. around you, right. sure. Right. It's like who cares if you're married or not. <laughs> It's just a piece of paper. Yeah, he's got a couple of rings that he just <laughs> he just stole, and it's just it's just completely meaningless. Yeah, of course they would be really valuable rings, but well, he could probably sell them now on eBay. If, you know, rings as seen in Dawn of the Dead. Right. Yeah, <laughs> they would be worth nothing then, <laughs> you know, in the apocalypse. But they used actual money when they're in the bank and they're throwing that money around. Oh, that, really? That was actual money. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that because a lot of times you get stage money and it doesn't look real. Mm-hmm. The uh, stage money they used in Breaking Bad looked very real. Mm. Yeah, but some of those, I think, when he was counting the 20s, I think those probably were real 20s. Cause yeah. They were pretty beat up and there were a couple older ones in there. So. Yeah, they had to take insurance because of all the damage they might do to the uh, uh, mall. Right. And uh, and like Rubenstein wrote a check to the bank. Um to cover the cash and then with the promise that they'd give the cash back and then he'd get his check returned. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've got those fancy counting machines. There's no problem. <laughs> Knowing down to the dollar how much has gone back in. Sure. Now, uh, what would arguably be the third act is when they discover that the television transmissions are not uh, going out anymore and then the bikers show up. That's kind of when... The undoing of the storyline is kind of what we could say is yeah. uh, this specific point. Um, the, th- the the main characters who are left are kind of fighting amongst themselves. 
And the last thing they need is an outside force. And that's, of course, what happens. Mm -hmm. And they could shut up and stay put and let the bikers move away. Right. But they want to, like, especially uh, uh, like Stephen, he wants to hang on to his stuff. Right. It's we a, took it. It's ours. They knew they were in there, right? I mean, the bikers did. Yeah, because they've seen the helicopter. They saw the helicopter, yeah. Yeah. And the trucks parked in front of the So doors. they're all ready to like roar out of there. And, yeah. yeah. But. Yeah, Stephen had to protect all his stuff. <laughs> now, it was a smart move not to answer their radio contact, I thought. You know, because they're the, the, the biker gang slash looters, they're, they're trying to radio these folks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they figure, well, if we just shut up, maybe they'll think we got. We got uh, eaten by the zombies or moved on or what have you. Yeah. And of course, they. Uh, it's given away later, but, but I thought that was a good move. And uh, the bikers, they seem like they were in it for fun as much as survivalist moves. Yeah, they were like the, the rednecks at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, you know that were just out hunting. The soldiers looked kind of freaked out, but all the hunters just looked like it was a normal weekend. Yeah, right. it was this big party. Yeah. Drinking beers and shooting them things. Yeah, yeah. they... Because, they, like, uh, Romero is so well-known in Pittsburgh, he, uh, you know, the National Guard, you know, like the the, uh, the 1st Battalion, 10th Field Artillery just showed up. A bunch oh. of paramedics showed up, a bunch of hunters showed up, and they just Fantastic. had a party. That's kind of funny. Like, uh, there's a lot of these stories behind these scenes where it's like, oh, we invited our friends, or hmm. uh, the news guy also played a zombie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, there's always uh, uh, some of the lead zombies. Like, uh, uh, the guy, the weapons coordinator for the movie was Clayton Hill. He plays the zombie who's in a like a sweater, and you see him quite a bit. Mm -hmm. he's, he's in it all the way through. Uh, the nurse zombie was Sharon Sakati. She was um, she was a production assistant. Um, yeah, so yeah, they're all to do with Did production. Romero do documentaries at some point. Yeah, he, so before this, he'd done a bunch of uh, fifteen minute sports things. Okay, because I find the movie itself has this kind of sort of documentary, yeah. sort of. And, I mean, and he's working TV in feel. like a 70s TV but documentary. Even before night, he was making commercials and, okay. and, and news bits. Yeah, yeah. It kind of has that feel. Um, uh, sometimes TV doesn't work uh, directed as film because you have too many close-ups and mm -hmm. no sense of space or anything. Uh, it do, That doesn't happen here, but it still has this kind of documentary tv feel and i thought you had said he had worked for pbs or something at one he, point he did work for um he, he actually did some stuff for the mr rogers show yes. oh he did he directed the one where um fred gets attacked by zombies yes he's <laughs> getting mr mcfeely comes in through the door <laughs> speedy delivery of brains uh when when picture Mrs. picture help <laughs> <laughs> when uh, Fred, when Fred Rogers is getting his tonsils taken out, which uh, Romero joked that was the most uh, terrifying thing he's ever filmed. Nice. <laughs> so uh, he did a lot of commercials for Iron City Beer, and um, there was that Calgon. Calgon that, one, that, yeah, the, it's the Fantastic Net. Voyage. Yeah, they did a, they did a parody of Fantastic Voyage for, uh, for a Calgon commercial, which 
earned them the money to buy their camera to make Night of the Living Dead. Nice. And own the camera and not be renting one. So that was, rather than pocket the money and say, yay, we got paid really well on this national commercial, they were able to just say, let's roll this forward into some equipment. Yeah. I think that's always a, a nice move. You look at what the, the, if you compare the budgets for the two versions of Dawn of the Dead, like the, uh, the remake feels smaller to me. It, it does. feels like a sci-fi channel film for most of it until they get out again. Yeah. Um, yeah, the mall there feels tiny. Mm-hmm. It feels like they don't, we don't see very much of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I preferred the, the original. And for that, they had use of a, an abandoned mall in, up in Toronto, I think. Yeah. Which they fixed up. Um, yeah, I don't know. The remake so that, 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 does feel kind of... The, the budget for the remake was $26 million. Damn. That's a lot of money. Yeah. And the, the budget for the original was uh, like a, a $640,000. Nice. Which, which, if you adjusted that for today's money, is maybe a few million. I don't know, maybe three to five million. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you were to adjust it, and there's calculators on on online, you can just pull your phone out and calculate that stuff mm-hmm. and and know for sure. Yeah, if if you look at it, the uh, Wikipedia page, um, it, it says the budget is one and a half million. But uh, that was what Rubenstein was telling people because if he pitched it too low, that they wouldn't. They wouldn't get enough yeah, money. They wouldn't be faith in the movie. Ah. Uh, I. Yeah, uh, yeah, bid yourself right out of the job. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing that the original can seem like so much more with almost no money. Yeah. You know, uh, I kind of like that. I like the. I don't know. Feels a little more real. The the remake, yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of. I didn't hate it, but it's just kind of fluff. There. It's now, before we talk too much about um, the remake, uh, how they wrap up the original is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got one of one of the main characters um, is wounded and dying, and then he ends up dead uh uh that that would be steven he as a zombie remembers fantastic as a zombie isn't he yeah yeah he remembers that that wall is a false wall Uh he's like thinking of karloff and cheney and oh okay yeah his body language is just great yeah Yeah. he does a really nice job on his broken foot oh and he's got that gun he he forgets he's got a gun on his finger yeah 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 another zombie's walking around with the gun Still pointed to yeah, his head yeah. from earlier, <laughs> and then he trades it out for another gun. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool that that they used some residual memory of of you know the the zombie from when he was human to kind of yeah. undo the whole plan. And mm-hmm. uh, then, of course, this is where the flight lessons come in handy. Mm-hmm. They leave. You know, the the last two survivors yes. get out of there, and. Peter wasn't going to leave, though. He's <laughs> well, going to kill himself. Do, do you, are you leading up to this? Uh, Go ahead. As it was scripted, uh, yeah, Peter was going to shoot himself in the head with right. the Derringer. Yeah. And then Francine would be up on the roof, stuck there, and no one coming up except zombies. And she just 
stand straight up so she so that she puts her head into the rotors. Wow! Oh, yeah. So uh, when they uh, when Romero saw that the like, especially when they're doing the second half of their filming, uh, Romero felt that the the feel of the movie was more uh, it was lighter. It was he didn't want to go that dark. Oh, okay. For the ending, it, it just the whole thing was felt like a comical situation yeah. to him like a black comedy that killing them off would just feel like a, like a rehash of the bleakness of the first movie yes so when they decide to spare them they have peter charge out and there's that ridiculous like heroic music going yes yes he's kung fuing all these zombies and, and uh yeah and she decides to just fly away yeah and their their fate is completely Un- unknowable to mm-hmm. us the viewers yeah and uh they didn't film her killing herself they i think they filmed bits of that ending but they didn't because that would be a big special effects thing right but they got as far as her having a head cast so tom savini cl- you know plastered her head up and made a head cast <laughs> of her which she was difficult to get out of apparently but since he had this head he he repurposed it for the head you see being blown off in the, uh, in the projects in the in the star. Okay, yeah, yeah. So if you glimpse it, it's a very weird looking face because it's it, actually hers. It did look with a beard kind on. Kind of strange, yeah. <laughs> and just packed out with bits of offal and craft services mm. and condoms full of stage blood and. Yeah, uh, Fritos is one of his yeah. favorite things too. Really? Uh, yeah, he likes to mix Fritos in with the gore that gets exploded out of a head. That sounds good. I, I believe he, <laughs> he famously used that in uh, Maniac Cop, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. There's a, a head that gets blown off by a 12 gauge shotgun, and I believe that uh, there are a good handful mm, of Fritos Frito in the mix. Frito pie. <laughs> yeah, Frito pie, and uh, it's a very convincing head explosion. Nice. So the so the um, the unknowable unknown ending I think is is pretty cool because these days especially and by these days I mean the last twenty years <laughs> they they're so fond of wrapping everything up nice and tidy at the end of a movie mm-hmm. and this is kind of like there's not much fuel and they're flying away bye bye yeah <laughs> create your own ending in your head mm-hmm. so that's pretty cool we don't need it handed to us. Yeah. So let us wonder, like, well, how do they do? <laughs> yeah, the the remake should have done the same. I agree, and that and instead that is of a, having the the, the camera in, the found indication, footage thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the indication that uh, oh. I had a feeling that Zack Snyder threw that in there just for the tits. That <laughs> you one know, lady, that could feel <laughs> like he went through the whole movie. He's like, I didn't get to see any tits why did i become a director yeah i'm in it for the boobies yeah, yeah i was quite enjoying it at a, when they're in the the, in the rigged up trucks and things and yeah then, and then there's that that found footage bit all of a sudden it's just oh this is mean yeah they should have just left i mean michael gets bitten but Fang rames and sarah Polly are off on the boat mm-hmm. should have just ended it there yeah, you don't know where they're going. <laughs> I think where I, were they going, and why were they afraid? They 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 show at least in the found footage they're out of water. They're on Lake Michigan, aren't they? Uh, yeah, yeah. And and you see them. You see the yacht leaving the harbor, and there's this huge great island 
you know, just on the horizon. Yeah. But then it gives you the impression in the clips that, you know, that they've it, gone for they're, they're, a while. the engine yeah. busts and the water runs out, etc., etc. They're adrift yeah. for days. Yeah, seems like that. <laughs> maybe weeks. Three hour. And how that head get in that <laughs> that cooler at the end? They find that boat oh, yeah. floating by and they open the ice chest. Yeah, what the fuck like, was that? Who put that head in there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of funny. But... It's a cool prank, but you know, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? it didn't Are they going to eat it? it? Are they like... keeping one of their relatives in there? Yeah. yeah. What the hell was Why, it? Just a head. Yeah. So did, maybe it was an oracle or something. <laughs> so to circle back around to the beginning of the remake, how did you feel about the start of it? Other than that obvious cool montage with Johnny Cash music, yeah, was, Sarah Polly's intro. You know, she's mm-hmm. there's some silliness at the hospital, uh, and there's a couple indications that things are going wrong. But yeah. um, but uh, from the time she's off shift and gets home, and has her quality time with her husband, and then wakes up to some mm-hmm. weirdness that right. I think that was a pretty strong start. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, this could be good. Yeah, right. I misremembered. I thought that kid was their kid. No, neighbor, but neighbor it was girl. a neighbor kid. Yeah. And then when uh, when she finally makes her escape and the husband goes after her, he's like a mad dog. Mm. And then he's easily distracted and runs off to the side. Yes. That cracked me up because it was just like a crazy dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it looks great for her escape. She's going to get out of there. And the neighbor, of course, has lost his damn mind and... You know, he yeah. wants to kill her. Uh, I'm thinking, well, this this is a good start. And she meets up with some viable other characters. Ving Rhames was a little um, physically over-the-top specimen. Yeah, he's a Marine, isn't he? Yeah, he's an ex-Marine, currently a cop. Um, now, the thing that, that was harder to buy than, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe there's a lot of really big, really fit dudes who are former Marines who are in law enforcement. Okay, fine. Uh, three mall security guards kind of squaring off with him mm-hmm. i want to think they'd be shitting their pants when they meet a guy who who's in a uniform who's the real deal yeah but cj is kind of i think a bit of a napoleon uh you know he he wants to be more than he is and here's the apocalypse so he gets to kind of pretend but he switches over to the good guys at some unknown point he finally does right <laughs> at some point i don't know when yeah he just he stops being a jerk and yeah. he, he realizes they have their shit together. Yeah, and he's he's ready to sacrifice. I guess when they're like, Oh, the well, team. you know, we'll let you out of the cage if you help us with this stupid mission. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, okay, I'll stay in the cage. <laughs> How did you like um Andy from Andy's Gun World or whatever it's called that's across the parking lot? Did you like that whole exchange with the dry erase board? I couldn't read them. Oh really? I mean, I Were you I watching remember, it on the computer. I was watching on the computer, oh, so I okay. couldn't read them. I just uh, a couple of them were like, "What? What does that say?" I, I had no problem with. On the TV, I remember yeah. watching it, and it was fine. But this time around, I was like, "They played chess." Mm-hmm. I they, remember, and they play that game of look alike. Name the zombie. Yeah, he was. He was chess with the Alamo figures. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was symbolic. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> what are you trying to say? It's a little on the nose. <laughs> um, I think that uh, the the uh, the game of of uh, celebrity target practice was yeah. was pretty funny. And yeah, the, that was good. It was like kind of callous and yeah, like that was that was the crassness nasty coming and across. Funny. Um, that, that was the most Romero esque bit. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I like the one says Jay Leno. It's like, oh, there's a dude in a suit with gray hair. Blam. <laughs> Um, the way they they came back as a sort of a callback to uh, 
oh, is Andy okay? What's going on? And you see him, it looks like he's writing on the dry erase board and he's just smeared it with blood and holds mm-hmm. it up. That was great. I, I liked that moment a lot. Uh, so that was good, you know, callback yeah. and reuse of that little gimmick. Um, Why didn't they want to go after the dog? I don't know. Chips. And if you smeared yourself in dog blood, yeah. as one would do in the apocalypse, <laughs> well, at least my plans anyway. Was it a full moon? Maybe. Okay. Would would that help? Maybe if you wore like a dog pelt? I would say you'd want leather clothes. <laughs> so, you know, a, a, um, a person with really healthy teeth cannot bite through a leather jacket. So I really wouldn't be worried about zombies. So if you had, you know, really good biker gear on, I don't think they could do much except for overwhelm you and crush you. Pull you apart. So they just make zombies versus berserkers. Have a bunch of Vikings in. Yeah. Wolf and bear skins. Sounds good. Okay. We'll get on that. We'll get right on that. So as far as how the whole group, once they all sort of show up and... This other group of people show up in the truck. A whole bunch of people. Yeah, it's like this whole truckload of this ragtag group of people who who reveal that um, what was the name of it? Fort uh, Fort something or other. <laughs> uh, Fort Death. Pastor. Okay, when they when this other group arrives, they they tell them nope, Fort Pastor has fallen, uh, and Ving Rhames' character wanted to go there because he figured his brother was there, mm-hmm. and now it's like nope, now. The best place to be is here. Might as well kind of hunker down and stay. Uh, how, how did you like the way they dealt with the um, going around and sort of pilfering and and uh, all that? Did you feel like that was just a nod to the original, or did they handle it okay? Well, it's, what, it's what anyone would do, but it it didn't seem to have any impact like the original has. The yeah. original, you th- think all these people are really uh, killing themselves here. Yeah, but uh, it just you know, it didn't impact me at all. Really no, I I didn't get much from it either. Um, I kind of thought the smart move on any of this would be if you did have a place that had hardware, um, tools, yeah, things that could be used as weapons, you'd want to just get a rolling suitcase, fill it with the right stuff that you need. Yeah, load up and load up in survival gear and yeah, not. Oh, how does it feel to wear a fur coat? <laughs> Who gives a shit? You know, you got. You should be seeing if any of these places have rifles. <laughs> and uh, Andy's gun world does. And I think what the best thing to do would be ask Andy, do you have a crossbow? Could you shoot a wire over here? Can we Can we send you some... Too far. Can we zip line something to you? It's no, let's, let's saddle up the dog. <laughs> that wasn't a bad idea, except he should have had some way to lower a rope to hook the dog and pull him up mm. rather than letting him in through a door. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. dog door it's equals zombie door as it turns yeah, out. Don't open anything. No. Mm. Bad idea. <laughs> so, um, a couple of characters, um, meet their demise because they were changing or had changed into zombies. Um, we get a zombie. A zombie. Yeah. You don't Which looks better have, than should I have been a really strong scene, but yeah, again, it didn't go just anywhere. Didn't care. And one of the things that takes me out of a movie, and it, and it happens pretty early in the film, uh, this century, a lot of films do it because they can, is they have a impossible camera angles. Like, what? 
how are we seeing this? Yeah. It's just impossible. Like the camera's going through windows and through walls and uh like in this one there's this like view of the suburbia as if you're looking from a satellite as if you're mm -hmm. god or something that's pretty early on and then there's like a when they get to the mall and uh there's the scene with the fountain you're and you're watching it from underwater oh yeah just because they can it doesn't make any that didn't make any sense story, i wasn't so, just so bothered by the by the satellite bit it looked a little goofy but mm -hmm. Um, I didn't mind it because I think the point was oh, conformity of suburbia and, yeah. and yeah, to see get... the fires and the helicopters. And but everything. it, it yeah. still puts you above. Oh what yeah, it, what's going on? Like you watch the Romero movie and it's it's kind of chaotic and choppy. You're right there with this mm -hmm. the panic situation, and he has this approach of like this. He calls it like a cubist approach where he, uh, you often you don't get an establishing shot. Mm -hmm. You know where you are because he's very good with setting up where you are. It doesn't lose you, but like uh, like when they're on the projects, all you see is the rooftop. Yeah, and uh, and then they pile down the, and then it's all smoke and chaos and stuff. And it, yeah, and you don't you don't get any. You're not looking at it from a safe distance at all. No, you're always right there. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, it always feels dangerous all the way through. But yeah, when they put you in the action, but it's, it's this really one really there's effective. lots of. You know, steady shots and, and impossible angles, and I just felt like I was observing it from a, a safe distance. Yeah, yeah. Feel, feeling the um, the peril is always effective. You know, to to scare you with a scary movie. I think they need True. to change up the zombies. I think you know, zombies have to have something new if they're going to keep making zombie movies. Like maybe <laughs> <laughs> the longer they're dead, the smarter they get. In this one, they, they like uh, decompose over the course of the weeks. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and if you if you watch the extras, you can get uh, on the on the DVDs that or whatever the uh, uh, you can see all the the special makeup. Mm -hmm. It's really good. I mean, you don't get to see it in the film because it's all green tinted and they're <laughs> they're running and and the camera's just shaking about and yeah. Um, whenever they turn up, so you don't really get to see them much. But uh, they're they're really well done. The main thing that the group in the mall is lacking is what Andy has over in his place, guns and mm -hmm. ammo. And uh, what they have going for them other than security is the fact that uh, you know they have food. They're in a mall. There's going to be some food. So bringing those two worlds together would have been a great idea. And once you kind of discover, you know, that, well, Andy's Andy's been bitten. He's not he's not a human anymore. And uh they're setting out with these um, Mad Max Fury Mall vehicles <laughs> that they've welded, like, you know, they've got the snow plow and they've cut holes and they've welded grates onto it and whatnot. It seems like a pretty good idea to escape. And it's like, you know, if they were able to go into Andy's world of guns and get some guns, that would have been cool. But that really wasn't, you know, so much going to happen. So they got limited ammo, limited guns. Mm. They're going to go out into this, what turns out to be impossible mob of zombies. Yeah. That is a great shot. Yeah. When they've got the lights coming out and they're just surrounded in this horde. Yeah, the horde. Yeah. yeah. It's like a good thing they have a snowplow because there's just no way. And then they use the whole thing with the propane tank to clear mm -hmm. a path. Uh, that was kind of fun to watch. And then yeah. when when you see that's, ground that's level good. stuff, it's they're really fast and really vicious. So I kind of enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And then the, uh, the jerk... Um, What's his name? Uh, Steve. 
uh, when he said earlier to uh, to Sarah Polly's character, um, "If I change, shoot me." Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and she <laughs> she shoots him right away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He says, "Yeah, don't hesitate." She's like, "I won't," <laughs> or something yeah. like some some line like that. And yeah, she doesn't right between the eyes. <laughs> Yeah. Because he turns and shrieks, kind of that uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers shriek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pop. It was over with pretty quick. A lot of blue filters and weird camera tricks to make everything look kind of jerky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked the look of that. I mean, you did, like you said, there was no safe distance at that point. It's all kind of ground level. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why I like that part better than pretty much everything that happens in the mall. Mm-hmm. Who wants to find out if a propane tank will blow up like that? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Well, we could get a propane tank and a shotgun. Mm-hmm. I think I think Mythbusters handled oxygen tank from Jaws. Yeah, I don't think. But I don't think work. they ever did a propane tank. Oh, I don't I think, think a propane tank would do anything. I think you might have to shoot repeatedly, maybe. Well, you'd hit it and put a bunch of holes in it, I imagine, with your shotgun, and you have your flare tied to it, so that's where the gas goes. But I don't think it would be... Maybe it's compressed enough that it would explode. I know you can't shoot a, a like a gas truck and blow it up. No. That doesn't work. So, no. But I don't know. And I know that a lot of uh, warplanes would have a... Um, a rubber bladder lining the fuel tanks. So if it were punctured, it would tend to seal and maybe a slow leak, but not spark and explode. But uh, you hope. yeah, you would hope, especially considering what's going on. But I think, yeah, if you really wanted to get that experiment going, it would, it would take some special distance some special settings yeah i don't think i want to shoot it with a shotgun you have to be too close no but i'd shoot it with a rifle from 50 yards away so you've got the flare going you shoot a hole in it now you might just create a big blowtorch yeah i don't know about an explosion i don't know i do know that a supposedly empty big lighter into a bonfire does cause quite a column of fire wow yeah i was surprised (laughs) stuff i did when i was a teen um so uh really uh that ending that we talked about earlier you know they they do finally get through this mob they get to the docks and figure out which boat is steve's and uh that dumb spoon-fed ending of like the the shaky found footage camera and the island seemed tropical when they got to it rather than yeah it looked all misty it didn't <laughs> seem like it was in the like, middle of like, lake michigan right is it is it too large for lake michigan it seemed pretty big lake michigan is huge yeah, you, yeah. You it can't, is fantastically huge <clears throat> you can't see the other side i mean right. it, it looks like an ocean when you're but they, they have islands that <clears throat> yeah i yeah. think they have islands yeah, I believe so. I, I can't say I've been on any of them, but uh, it's a huge lake. Yeah, um, it's. I couldn't believe how big it was. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So, did you go to Chicago? Yeah, I went to Chicago. Yeah. Just looking at it from the top of the Sears Tower. It, yeah, it's stunning. It just stretches and stretches and stretches. It could be an ocean. Yeah. Mm. You can't yeah, see the other side. It. Yeah. From, yeah, you come over it from England. What's really kind of interesting that a lot of people don't know about Lake Michigan... Um, is the Chicago River uh, is actually reversed 
its course. Mm. Do you, you know this story? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, there's so much. We did the river cruise. Yeah, okay, so did you do the architecture they, they cruise? They told us the story, yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Like, there was so much pollution going into the river and then flowing directly into the lake that some of the city leaders and industrial leaders conspired to do this thing where they dredged the lake or the riverbed to where it was a lower point further away and reverse the flow of the river. So, oh. so, uh, so fresh water from Lake Michigan was flowing into the river and carrying all the pollution to St. Louis, who <laughs> later sued Chicago. <laughs> Pretty interesting stuff. Um, but I digress as usual. Almost as interesting as when the river caught fire in Cleveland. <laughs> Cuyahoga. That tells you something about the quality of the water, doesn't it? Yeah, Mm. don't ever go in there. No, I I feel like it would be like one of those cartoons where somebody just dissolves. Yeah. I don't know what cartoon that would be, but I feel like I've seen it. Roger Rabbit? Sure. That sounds reasonable. They were were, uh, in Victorian days, there were cartoons of the River Thames. We had Typhoid Mary was the personification of the disease that people would get from the filthy river oh god yeah and you couldn't pay me enough to get in the ganges oh god no so we talked about both of those kind of um you know hit some high spots as we went um definitely props to cj for uh when he got attacked in the back of the um the fury mall bus um that he detonated the other propane tank Mm -hmm. took himself out and as many zombies as possible yes he went from not a team player to the kind of a yeah. hero. That For was, some reason, I, yeah. I, did, I didn't see the transition. It just happens. Yeah, he's, he's like a jerk. They lock him up. He gets out. He's he's reformed. Yeah. It works. The system works. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put you in jail for three days for being a jerk. And then the, uh, the, the Sean character sacrifices himself as well at the... He reveals that he's been bitten. At the harbor, yeah. 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 And they did they they did an off camera bang for that one too, didn't yes, they? Yes, it goes to black. Yeah, I, I think I I wrote in my notes two or three other instances where you know someone's been put out of their misery and it's an off camera bang, but um, yeah, that would be um, Michael, uh, mm-hmm. who's standing on the dock and kind of waves goodbye. And then so if I had bought him as a real character, that would have been quite an effective. Would have been scene. pretty touching, I suppose. Yeah. Um, did she just keep watching? She seems so desensitized at that moment <laughs> after the whole, like whatever after the whole zombie husband thing what else you got come on some dude i just met kills himself bah so the kind of nice use of disturbed's version of uh of uh, the sickness it's just like okay so here's this dumb ending and then jumps into the crazy new metal song and goes mm. into the credits and then occasionally little weird cuts of the footage from the camera uh guess that's as good a way as any to wrap it up because it's it is what it is um i still do recommend it to people though i don't know how you guys feel about it i don't think it. it's terrible i you mm-hmm. know if you've watched the original yeah go ahead and watch the remake it's, but if you haven't seen the original don't watch the remake right now it doesn't it doesn't compare the same way that obviously that the remake of night of the living dead compares to the original because i think those no. are kind of nice companions to yeah. each other these two i feel i don't think of them as being from the same source material i think of them as two completely separate movies mm-hmm. yeah they feel very different yeah so when i tell people yeah it's fun 
It's kind of crazy. I think you'll enjoy it. I don't really ever talk about, but the original, blah, blah, blah. But I do and recommend both. The uh, the other thing with the original is um, about 80 minutes into the film. So when most movies, horror movies would be ending, mm-hmm. it goes into this, it feels like quite a lengthy sequence where they're looting and just, you know, doing what they like in the mall. Yeah. And uh, like self zombification. And it's it's really quite a daring scene to put in. It'll be hard for people; they'll think, "Oh, this is boring." We'll just fast forward through this. Yeah. But that's kind of the point. It's a really bold thing for a movie to say. This is these people are really bored. Yeah. And that's the point. And uh, yeah, yeah. So um, that'll be hard to deal with for people who are used to just constant shocks coming at them. Well, there's there's also something, and I don't really want to get up on a soapbox about you know uh, social stuff and economic stuff and whatever but just a broad overview is to say that there was a time when if you wanted a new button-up shirt and i'm talking like let's say the 70s or 80s it actually cost you a little money it like you can you can go buy a seven to ten dollar button-up shirt now it's like oh the buttons came off of my shirt you know, you don't sew them on. You go to like Target or where, wherever you shop and you, you could buy a shirt for under 10 bucks. I think a shirt back then was probably more like $20, $25. It was probably a little better made, but there wasn't the same cheap stuff. Uh, so if you wanted like a, a leather jacket or a winter coat or a button-up shirt, it, it, it wasn't like you had a closet and drawers full of this stuff. Same with tools. Like there wasn't Harbor Freight tools where you could go and buy, you know, a $5 screwdriver set or wrench set. And maybe it'll break and not last as long, but so what? It'll work for a while. The world wasn't like that back then. So for people to be in a mall um, with no one stopping them, Mm -hmm. that was probably more effective. Well, it was definitely more effective in its day because people couldn't just have this stuff. It was a little out of reach Mm -hmm. for average people. You know what I mean by that? It, it, it's not... Yeah, it, it would seem even more like of a paradise to consumers. Decadent consumer paradise. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's how the world was different then versus even the last 20 years, 25 years. And this movie is what? How many years now? 40. Yeah. yeah. So different, different times for sure. So that's... That's a, a good point to make about it, I think, is consumerism, well, yeah, it wasn't as easy then. <laughs> so when when the uh, restrictions are off, people would probably go a little bananas. <laughs> Free bananas. Free bananas. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like people don't really think about what it was like when uh, you couldn't get oranges during certain times of the year or... Uh, Things that various fruits and yeah, yeah, I remember that out of season meant you don't yeah, get it in at England, all. England uh, fruit coming in for the working class was a huge deal. Yeah, yeah. So the world has gotten nice and small and super convenient for everybody now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's walking around with supercomputers in their pockets, and uh, everything's easy. But yeah, there. <laughs> so I wonder if like a, a contemporary audience would understand. Uh, you know the point of the the original movie of them coming in and finding this consumer paradise 
because that's just at everyone's fingertips now. Yeah, I kind of wonder that, you know, what, what how much explanation, like what kind of preface you would have to do before showing this movie to somebody who is, say, ages 18 through 28, yeah. you know, what what a different Maybe world. they need to set it in a, in a different place like Disneyland. Oh, no, they should set it in a cell phone store. Well, no, if they set it to Disneyland, you could be horribly bored by amusements. You could be amused to death while the zombies rage outside. Um, you know. One of my one of my favorite things that that you ever said, Will, um, to describe something uh, was, you remember when Body Worlds was here? Yeah, and you had gone and seen it, and I had not, and I still haven't. But that's where they have filleted all of these bodies and exposed. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, and they plasticized it. Will, uh, you told me that you were simultaneously bored and grossed out at the yes, same time. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> it was very boring because there was not a lot of explanation behind anything. And it was gross because they were real people mm. that yeah. had been turned into plastic amusements. Mannequins. Yeah. yeah, plastic mannequins, sideshow fodder. I don't really know what it was. It, it was gross. It was supposed to be in the interest of science, but it seemed like it was a little more exploitive than that. I heard a comedian say that uh, somebody described that to him like, yeah, no, there's this doctor that's cutting people up, putting plastic in them and posing him. He's like, Jesus Christ, did they catch him? <laughs> <laughs> Which war was this during? <laughs> yeah, my God. Uh, well, um, is there anything that, that we didn't talk about, Jolien? Um, as far as uh, the original or the remake or how they compare? Oh, um, I don't want to no. go, go into every single detail. I, I, I thoroughly recommend the first one. And uh, you know, what about put the remake? It, put it in context. Uh, the remake's all right. It's all right. So you wouldn't turn someone away from it necessarily? No, no, no. But, but like me, you would recommend them as two completely different things. I'd give it a C plus, a B minus, and I'd give the original like an A. Yeah. I'm kind of right in there too. I would say I get I would I, give Dawn of the Dead remake a probably a B minus. I, mean, you, I like you, it. You can't get that impact twice. No. Seeing a film like that, you know, like if I saw that, if I had seen that after seeing you know, Peck and Parr and a whole bunch of Italian zombie movies, and, and like we're just so buried in zombie movies now, and uh, they're all ripping off this Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. So if you go back to the seeing that original, it's not not going to have anywhere near the impact no. that it had on me when I saw it, and it was so raw and assaultive, and yeah, uh, uh, it was also in daylight, uh, which was something that I wasn't used to because nighttime equals spooky. Yeah, so I'd seen the some of the traditional horror movies, I'd seen some of the Universal things from the thirties and forties, right? Um, but having something in a mundane situation in daylight for most of the time, uh, there's like a couple of there's like the uh, in the boiler room it's dark, and then there's this, where the lights go out at the end when the bikers come in. Yeah, there's that brief power cut. But apart from that, it's all brightly lit. Uh, it's all source, you know, it seems to be all source lit. There's no fancy movie lighting. Right. Yeah. You can tell, you know, obviously there is, but. It all looks as if it's just they just went in them all and shot it. Yes. Um, 
But uh, yeah, that just felt really different to me. Maybe that's the the sort of documentary feel I was getting. That it, yeah, it did seem like they just went in there and filmed it. And yeah, what what they actually did was they I mean, jacked up the existing lights. Oh, okay. And then they had a few like uh, lights to enhance things here and there, but mostly it was like the actual lights in the mall, which they they really boosted up for the duration of the filming. I assume you've seen Chopping Mall. No. You've not seen Chopping Mall. <laughs> oh my god. Neither have, have you I. seen Chopping Mall? No, and you know the funny thing is I just saw on I don't know if it was Instagram or if it was Horror Amino, but one of these apps on my phone I just saw a uh, what I knew to be a gif of that movie where one of the robots <laughs> shoots a woman in the head and blows her head off. Yeah. Um I've heard bits and pieces about this movie, and and I have seen a few uh, clips from it, and it looks fun and stupid, very eighties. Oh, it it is, yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. It's a really dumb eighties version of this of Dawn of the Dead, but with okay. robots. Oh, I want to see that. I recommend it. It okay. was a lot of fun. Now, but, but Dawn of the Dead gave me nightmares for years, decades, because it, it just tapped into that fear of the mob, loss of identity, extreme pain. And it, I, it just uh, preyed on my mind. The actual film I didn't find scary. Oh, okay. That's yeah. scary, yeah. There's, but, there's some bits that re- really freak me out, but, but it's, mostly it's not scary. It speaks to your fears and it stimulates your imagination. Definitely, definitely. That's, that's a film doing its job as, yeah. as a horror movie. Yeah. Um, so anything else you want to talk about before we no, talk no, about no. next week? No. Next okay. week? Next week. Okay, we're going to go through... And talk about a favorite or the favorite of each of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, what are we going to do next week? Well, next week we're going to talk about because we're going through and doing a favorite of each of ours, um, one of Will's favorites, and back to the witch theme, Hexen. Yes. So, what year was Hexen? Nineteen twenty-two. Nineteen twenty-two. Nosferatu came out that year. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah! What a great year. <laughs> um, was. Except for the lack of sound. Um, it's all right. It doesn't. Don't miss it. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Don't miss it. <laughs> Who needs it? Uh, so we're going to do that one. And then, uh, really exciting for us, two weeks from now, we're going to have uh, one of my favorites, Shaun of the Dead, Yay. and a guest who's closely connected to it, Zach Howard, comic book artist who did the Shaun of the Dead comic book. And Jolien helped make Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for Zach. Uh, who, who's the um, who's the label on that one? The comic? Is it IDW? Yeah, that was I- for IDW. IDW, Okay. So um, there's that. And we'll see if maybe Zach can bring a copy of the Shaun of the Dead comic. With Anybody them. else mm. have a strange sense of deja vu? Um, <laughs> that was a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> That's what deja vu is, actually, is a glitch in yeah. the Matrix. Uh, the listeners can't see this, but uh, two black cats just walk by one after the other. <laughs> I can't remember what the, uh, the, the reverse of that is, where you step into a place you've been in a lot, a lot and it all seems completely new like you've never been there before yeah Vujade. <laughs> i don't remember what it's called <laughs> well in any event uh we we got through this original versus remake and we're going to be talking about Haxon. and then yes we gave it away we're going to be talking about Shaun of the dead and if you're some uh cinematic moron who's somehow not seen Shaun of the dead <laughs> you've got plenty of time now to go see it it's a great horror comedy yeah which there are very few of Mm-hmm. There's a lot of horror comedies, but very few great ones. And uh, 
there is only one instance in the whole movie of there being any dialogue changed to suit the American audience. Is there? Okay. Yeah. Really? We'll, we'll reveal this. We'll, yes, that's a <laughs> teaser. We'll reveal it uh, when we talk about the movie. Oh. Only one. And uh, it's great. Okay. So uh, let's thank the Moonrays again for this song intro, Creature Features, at the top of our show. Uh, please go check us out on Instagram where we are chewing the scenery. Send us an email. Send us an email. Where did I put that email? Questions. Send, yeah, ask us stuff. Tell us stuff. Um, Chewing-scenery at hotmail.com is our uh, email address. Uh, you can contact us on Facebook or Instagram, any of those things. We're pretty easy to find, and uh, we're always happy to hear from people. Um, we heard from a listener, the Bearded Witch. This guy. Uh, I think he's in his early 20s. He was on Instagram. Uh, sent a really nice message. We'll talk about that maybe okay. at the beginning of Haxon. A little shout out to the bearded mm. witch. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, Not the breaded witch. That's no. completely different. <laughs> the breaded witch is the one from the South <laughs> where everything's deep fried. <laughs> um, what's the other thing we'd like to say? Rate, review, and subscribe. If you can, please get it together. Do that for us. Uh, tell some friends. Um, it always helps. Tell some strangers. Tell some, yeah, go be evangelical about this thing. Uh, unless and you most don't, importantly, stay off the moors. Stay off the moors. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I'll take your questions. Is it a virus? We don't know. How does it spread? Is it airborne? Airborne is a possibility. We don't know. Is this an international health hazard or a military concern? Both. Are these people alive or dead? Hold it down! We don't know. Is that true? There's a man going around taking names. And he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down. When the man comes around. The hairs on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's gone? When the man comes around. set on him was death and hell followed with him